Thank you, Jessica. What a beautiful song. What a beautiful message. When Jessica texted me several weeks ago, uh, wanting to get on the Christmas uh, singing schedule, I told her this was the only week I had left. And of course, she said, well, you know, it's just two days after Christmas. So I guess, you know, it's still appropriate to sing a Christmas song. But even if it wasn't, and it is, but even if it wasn't, it's 2020. We can do whatever we want to do, right? <laughs> Anything works in 2020. But uh, when we don't have very much longer to say that, I hope 2021, it does not hold to the same pattern of things, don't you? We've come to the final Sunday in 2020, and uh, in January, people said this was going to be the year of great clarity, because 2020 vision is perfect, perfectly clear vision, right? And it's been anything but clarity, right? They say hindsight is 2020, but I'm ready to see 2020 in my hindsight, aren't you? We'll just move on, but it's certainly been a different year. Life's been disrupted for a lot of folks. It's disrupted for a lot of our folks right now who are at home under quarantine or home sick. The holidays have looked a lot different for a lot of people, smaller gatherings for some, uh, for some just very small gatherings. I saw at least one family that I know, and I know a lot of you know as well, uh, they had posted a picture on Facebook. They just all met uh, via FaceTime and just had their own little Christmases there at home. And I know that was a lot different for them. School's been different. Work's been different. Church has certainly been different, right? As I put in the, uh, the bulletin, uh, I never dreamed I'd see blue painter's tape as part of the decor. It's certainly not something Denise would have picked out for the, for the decorations of the sanctuary here. But uh, we hope that all that is uh, going to be in our hindsight in the very near future as things uh, begin to look up. We'll have that hope. But years from now, when we look back on 2020 and we look at the things that we've been through, uh, maybe, just maybe, it won't look quite as bad. Because oftentimes when we look back on something, we see the whole picture that we didn't see as we were living it and just seeing the little bitty pieces one at a time. And as it's been our tradition at Brister, we've been walking through the Christmas story. And we've been looking at it just one piece at a time. And it's a beautiful story. And every piece is symbolic. Every piece is beautiful in and of itself. But today, as we come to what may be uh, the end of the traditional Christmas story in Luke, we have the advantage of the hindsight of looking at not only this passage of Scripture today, but remembering everything that we've looked at as we've studied the Christmas story so far throughout this month. For me, it's today's passage of Scripture. And Brother Eric and I were talking about it the other day, and, and he said that parts of what we're going to read today to him are some of the most beautiful lines in all the Bible. But for me, it is, it is the, this section of the Christmas story that brings it all together. Because it's with this section that we get the whole picture and that we see the Christmas story in maybe a more beautiful light than we see it as we study just the manger scene, or just the angels, or, or whatever else it may be. Read with me in Luke chapter 2 is where we'll be. In Luke chapter 2 this morning, beginning in verse 21. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 21. Luke records this. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem and presented him to the Lord 
as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity, And this woman was a widow of about 84 years, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for the Christmas story. We thank you that you inspired Luke to investigate this story, to gather the facts, and to write it down so that we could be reminded of how great you are and how great your mercy and your grace is every time we read it. Father, I pray this morning that we'd be drawn closer to you and that you would show us what you want us to know out of this section of the Christmas story and the whole story put together. Be with us now, and be with us during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. We don't have time to cover all of this text this morning. We'll have to get to some more of it tonight. And even then, we won't cover all of it, because we could quite literally, we could spend a month preaching on just these 20-some-odd verses that we just read. This is loaded with great information and great truths that we need to know. So I encourage you to study it some more on your own, to look up some of this stuff on your own because there's a lot of stuff here. And forgive me if I leave something out that you won't really wanted me to have covered this morning, okay? There's just only so much time, and, and I know you all probably have leftovers that you still need to get back to and eat at the house. But let's set the scene. Before we get to the main part of the text, which is, which is Simeon this morning, we need to set the scene so we know exactly what's going on. Verse 21 tells us that at first... Eight days have passed since the birth of Jesus. Just in verse 21, eight days have passed. And the law of Moses says this is a very significant date in the life of a Jewish 
male child. Because this is the day on which the circumcision happens, which was the mark of the Jewish people. It is also the day when their name is given. This is the day when Jesus legally becomes of the house and lineage of David. How significant for the prophecies told of this child. But I want you to know what a significant uh, what, what significance day eight had, because this was something they would even do on the Sabbath. If day eight fell on the Sabbath, they would do the circumcision and naming on that day. That's big because, you know, in the, in the Jewish community, in the Jewish culture, they did nothing. Even the Orthodox Jews today do next to nothing on the Sabbath. If you were in the hospital sick, all they were allowed to do for you was to do the minimum possible to keep you alive till the next day. But if it's day eight since birth, this ceremony is taking place. It's a big day. It's the day he's given his name, Jesus. That's the name the angels told Mary and Joseph he'd be given. It means Yahweh saves. And you say, it was a big deal. What's in a name? Paul said there's a lot in this name. He said over in Philippians chapter 2, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day, Every being that has ever lived in heaven, on earth, and in hell below will bow at the feet of Jesus. There is power in that name. And in verse 21, we find out he got it just when he was supposed to on day 8. Now we skip ahead as we get to verse 22. We jump ahead to day 40. And that's where everything else we're going to talk about this morning takes place. On day 40, after the birth of Jesus. Why is this significant? Why are they at the temple on the 40th day? Well, you have to go back to the law of Moses to find that out too. And if you go back and you study the Old Testament and the Mosaic law, you find out that after the birth of a child, a woman was still ceremonially, if I can say that word, ceremonially, okay? I'm going to try not to say that again. They're unclean for religious purposes. We'll put it like that. For 40 days after the birth of a male child, and for some reason not given to us in the Scripture, for 80 days after the birth of a female child. The unclean period doubles for the birth of a female child. But when this day is completed, the woman was to go and offer a sacrifice for the forgiveness of her sin and her cleansing. She becomes clean for religious purposes again, ceremonially clean. When she was unclean, she couldn't participate in religious activities, couldn't go to the temple, couldn't do all of that. Now she can after giving the sacrifice. That's the sacrifice she gives. The pair of two turtle doves and two young pigeons. I can't talk at all today. But see, as long as you know what I'm talking about and the folks online know what I'm talking about, they have the advantage of going back, slowing it down, and watching it again. You're just going to have to listen close. That's the sacrifice that's being offered, was to make Mary ceremonially clean again. I finally figured the word out. But if you go back and look at the law, we learn a lot about Mary and Joseph here. 
Because what the law of Moses said was that the sacrifice that was to be given here would be a one-year-old lamb and either a pigeon or a turtle dove. See, that's expensive. And so poor people, quite literally, the Jewish people called this the offering of the poor. Instead of giving the lamb and the turtle dove or pigeon, could just simply give two turtle doves or pigeons, a much less expensive yet still sacrificial offering. So they're at the temple on day 40, primarily for the purpose of offering this sacrifice for Mary. But while they're there, we find out something else happens. In verse 22 and 23, it says, Now when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were complete, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. They're there for a baby dedication. You see, we don't get these facts here in this particular passage of Scripture, but in verse 39 it says, So when they had performed all the things according to the law. So we know they did everything the law said they had to do. One of the things the law said they had to do, you find this if you go back and look in, the, in Leviticus, in the law, you find out that the firstborn male child had to be given to the Lord. Given, quite literally. The law required you to give the child to the Lord. But it allowed you to buy the child back for five shekels. That's about one month's pay for the common worker of the day. Five shekels. A huge sacrifice. Can you imagine a young couple, newly married? You remember when you were newlyweds? I mean, with rare exception around here, most newlyweds don't have a lot of money in the bank, right? First child's here. You may not have originally been planning to have a child this quick in your marriage, but Mary and Joseph did. God had different plans. That we know they're poor because of the offering they gave. Five shekels is a lot of money. That was a huge sacrifice but they were here because they were obedient. They were here because they were obedient to the Lord. And so because of their obedience to God, they crossed the paths of two people, two other obedient people. And here's where we get the main gist of the message this morning as we look at Simeon. The other's Anna. We'll look at her among some other things tonight. But here as we look at Simeon, and the words that Simeon spoke, the entirety of the Christmas story begins to come together. It's part of the story you can't get if you just look at the manger scene. It's part of the story you can't get if you just look at the angels appearing to the shepherds. Simeon brings everything together. This is the only place in the Scripture where we meet this man named Simeon. The Bible says he is just and devout, the Bible tells us that he possessed the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And it tells us that God had promised Simeon, you won't die until you lay eyes on the Messiah. This long-awaited Messiah that for centuries upon centuries had been promised to Israel. Now, we don't know how old Simeon was. Most people would assume he's old. We're not specifically told that but because he was promised he wouldn't die before he saw the Christ, most people assume he's old. But let me sum up what we know about Simeon. Simeon was perfectly in tune with God. And Simeon was saved. 
Simeon was saved because of the faith he possessed in the promise of God. So on the 40th day after Jesus' birth, the Holy Spirit directs Simeon to the temple. On the 40th day after Jesus' birth, Mary and Joseph are coming to the temple. There's no way to explain this than it is by divine appointment. We have nothing to indicate that Simeon knew Mary and Joseph. We have nothing to indicate that they knew him. We have nothing to indicate that he knew what he was looking for. But when Simeon saw Jesus, he knew he'd found him. You know, there's a lot of people searching for something to fill that void in their life, that something that's missing, and you know just something's not right, and then they encounter Jesus, and they know instantly that's what they've been looking for. Simeon's been trying to fill this void, this one thing he's missing, seeing the Messiah, and he sees Jesus, and he knows that's him, and can I just stop for a minute and give you further proof that Simeon is a good man? What new mother do you know that just hands their 40-day-old baby off to some strange man? Mary trusted Simeon. She had no reason to trust Simeon, other than no doubt Mary was in tune with the Holy Spirit, and she knew something special was about to happen. Read with me what may be some of the most beautiful words in the Scripture, what Simeon says in verse 29. We'll back up to verse 28. It says, he took Jesus in his arms. No doubt he's looking at the little baby. Can you hold a newborn and not just look at him, right? He's holding that little baby. And he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. What a beautiful passage. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation salvation that you prepared for all people. Think about where he's at. They're in the temple grounds. What does the Orthodox Jewish person believe in that day and today that salvation will be just for the Jews? They believe the Messiah would come, the Messiah would save the Jewish people, and, uh, you know, pretty defeat all of their enemies, and that they would ultimately be saved, that, that salvation is for the Jews. And Simeon stands there on the grounds of the temple, the epicenter of the Jewish faith, and he says, this child is the Messiah, and this child brings salvation for all people. You might could say that Simeon was the made the first missionary statement, right? The angels certainly made some missionary statements when they went out to the shepherds, but Simeon stands there and he declares that this child would provide salvation for all. Through Jesus Christ, salvation would be extended from God's chosen people, Israel, to all people of the world. Through this child, the promise made to Abraham long, long ago would finally be fulfilled. Salvation's for everyone. That's what they needed to hear. That's what the people today need to hear. Salvation is for everyone. People need to be reminded that they need to be saved. 
as I was listening this week to some sermons, Brother John, that, uh, that uh, Brother John, I hope Brother John listens to him as well. And I hadn't thought about this until I heard this other preacher say this. But by and large, out and about, you don't hear people talk about being saved as much as you used to. We like to use a lot of little lingo. If you ask Jesus into your heart, you know? Have you trusted Jesus? Have you, you know, all these other questions? P- people need to know they need to be saved. See, when you say you need to be saved, you say saved from what? You say you need to ask Jesus into your heart. Well, number one, you don't find that in the Bible. But number two, the Bible calls it being saved. It immediately opens the door for us to be able to tell them why they need to be saved. They need to be saved and we need to be saved because the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is no way you and I can get into heaven short of salvation found only through Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart God raised Him from the dead, we'll be saved. It says in verse 13 that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. People need to know they need to be saved. And it's your job, just as much as it is my job and Brother Eric's job, to tell them that. People need to be saved. Jesus Christ provides the only path to salvation for all people. That's what Simeon said here. That's what Jesus repeated in the upper room. It's recorded in John chapter 14 when he said, I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. The world needs salvation. Jesus is the only solution. That might not be politically correct, but it's biblically correct. And that's all that matters. Seeing the people, I mean, seeing the baby in the manger ought to evoke worship in us, just like it did Simeon. Did you see why Simeon worshiped? It's four little words. One of them is not so little, but it's four words. Right there in verse 29. He says, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. You see, seeing that baby reminded Simeon of something. That God keeps his promises. God promised Simeon he would live to see the Messiah. And he did it. And when we look at the nativity scenes like we have here in front of the pulpit, most, if not all of us, most certainly have nativity scenes in our homes. Some of us just have them everywhere, you know. Just people give you nativity scenes and you end up with one in every room. We've even got one in a bathroom, right? Because you run out of places to put them. And that's wonderful. Because when we see that part of the Christmas story, And we see the baby in the manger. It ought to remind us of something. It ought to remind us that God keeps his promises. Sure reminded Simeon of that. That God keeps his word. I have no doubt it's a very similar situation that caused the hymn writer to pen the words, Glory in the highest. I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. That's what Simeon did. He shouted. And the ancient church turned this into a hymn. They sing this, this, these words of Simeon. 
we ought to worship at Christmas time unlike any other time of the year because we are constantly reminded everywhere we look that God keeps his promises. But there's one last thing that I want you to see here from what Simeon says, this encounter with Simeon. And this is what brings the entire Christmas story together. As he stands there holding the baby Jesus, he first, of course, offers this praise to God that we just looked at, this hymn, if you will. But then he looks at Mary. And he gives Mary some very pointed words. He says in verse 34 to Mary, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against, yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Simeon says that because of Jesus, many would become Many would come under conviction of their sins. They would refuse to submit to Jesus. And they would fall into judgment, stumble into judgment. He says that because of Jesus, many others would come under conviction of their sin. They would surrender to Jesus and they would be lifted into salvation, into that promised eternal life. And then he says something that brings it together. He says, because of the works Jesus will do, it says a sign will be spoken against him. Something, he says, that will be like a sword piercing the soul of Mary. I'd submit to you this morning that as Simeon stands there holding that little baby and talking to Mary, He sees the cross. Now listen really closely to this next part. If we isolate the Christmas story to the baby in a manger, we completely miss the point of the whole story. Did you hear that? If we isolate Christmas to the birth of Jesus, And that's all. We completely miss the rest of the story. But that's what we do a lot. That's certainly what the world does. Christmas becomes just only about the birth of Jesus. And maybe that's one of the reasons that Christmas has just become another holiday for so many. It's just happy birthday, Jesus. And that's the only part of the story we look at. Maybe that's why we can look on Facebook and we so many, see so many people celebrating the birth of Jesus. But throughout the entirety of the year, they can't be bothered to come to his house. Maybe that's why so many people have no problem whatsoever using the celebration of the birth of Jesus to take a few days off work. But then there's so many people who do that. Oh, they want their Christmas break. Well, they should get a few days off work. But then the rest of the year, they can't be bothered to live for him. 
You see, Simeon saw the whole picture. Simeon saw the birth. Simeon saw the life that would be lived. And Simeon saw the cross and the sacrifice that would be made. And because he saw the whole picture, he lived the life that reflected it. When we go back to verse 25, it says, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout. I believe he was just and devout because he saw the whole picture. What does that mean, he was just and devout? Well, I'll translate it for you. It means he was saved, and he lived like it. That's what it means. He was saved, and he lived like it. Jesus was born for a purpose. And you see, on that 40th day, as they came to the temple, and they came to pay what was called the offering of redemption, those five shekels for their firstborn son, that offering of redemption would pale in comparison to the offering of redemption that Jesus would ultimately pay. And when we see the whole picture, it all changes from within. The baby born in a manger didn't come to be celebrated as a baby. He came to be worshipped as the King of Kings and as the Lord of Lords. And this morning as we prepare for our invitational hymn, and we get ready to respond to whatever the Lord has laid on our heart as we've looked at, I hope we've seen, the whole picture of the Christmas story this morning. That yes, an angel appeared to Mary and said, you're going to conceive. And as a virgin, you will give birth to the Savior of the world. And then as Caesar called all the world to register and Mary and Joseph were divinely brought to Bethlehem where she would give birth and lay the baby in a manger. And then the angels appeared to the shepherds in the field as they were keeping watch over their flocks by night and saying, glory to God in the highest. I'd say they weren't just singing glory to God in the highest because Jesus was born, but the reason He was born. That the Savior of the world was here. And then Simeon brought it together as, as we look at the baby, we see His purpose. And that purpose was the cross. And this morning... That same salvation that Simeon knew. That same salvation that he had experienced. It's available to you and I. And I tell you this morning that if you're here in the room, or if you're watching on the live stream, or however you may be getting this, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, there's no better time to accept a free gift than Christmas time. Maybe this morning... You say, I've accepted the gift, but I'm one of those that a lot of the year you'd never know it. What better time than Christmas time to say, you know what, I'm saved. And like Simeon, I'm going to start today living like it. Whatever the Lord has laid on your heart, I hope you'll take care of that as we stand and sing.